I was an only child and I often heard my parents arguing about money and mm. we inherit our money stories from our parents. And so for me, that origin story was hearing my parents argue about money and never wanting to argue about money. All right, everybody, today I'm getting carried away with Diana Kreschek, and she has so many letters at the end of her name. I'm just going to name a few, a CPA, a CMMMP, a CEO, all the things, but she is the CEO of Fan Your Flame, LLC, a financial literacy coach. She supports entrepreneurs, businesses, and individuals to achieve their financial goals using a wide variety of methods. Uh, we're going to dive into all of those. It's going to be very exciting. She is also a Point Foundation board member, a nonprofit organization that empowers lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer students to achieve their full academic and leadership potential. She will also be speaking on the panel at the Wealthy Women's Summit. Um, and in her free time, she likes to descend into dormant volcanoes. Welcome, <laughs> Diana. Hi, thanks for having me. Amazing. Well, let's get the first question out of the way. Where was the volcano and why would you do that? <laughs> Ooh, so volcano is in Iceland Ooh. and it is, I was a geology ma uh, minor in college. So part of being a dorky accountant and finance double major was I did a geology minor to get myself outside and go have some fun. So I dork out on rocks and I just loved descending into a dormant volcano just to look at what the inside of a magma chamber looks like. You know, normally so cool. humans can't go there. That environment is not conducive to life. So no. being in that, that is so where cool. the flames started. And so to be in there and not have it be millions of degrees was great. For sure. I don't know if you know this, I used to teach earth science. So I'm also a geek about rocks and minerals and Crystals. volcanoes. Um, minerals, and diamonds. All of it. All of it. And on my honeymoon, I dragged my husband to the big island in Hawaii because those were the two big volcanoes and you could walk through a lava tube. It was so cool. Highly recommend. Walk through a lava tube, everybody. He was a little nervous, but I was like, this is so cool. I was geeking out about it. <laughs> that would be me. <laughs> yeah. There's plant life, but everything's dead. It's so cool. Um, anyways, I digress. Um, now, that being said, if I were to go back in time and ask 10-year-old uh, Diana, what she wanted to be when she grew up, would she say a CPA, CMMMP, and a CEO? Oh, no, she would have said Michael Jackson. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I did not start out this way at 10 years old. And really, I mean, the path, you know how it goes. You take one step and then another comes in front of you and you know, okay, that's the next step I'm meant to take. And you just kind of follow your instinct. What do you think um, influenced that looking into finance and as we got the geology side, but what, what do you think? Was it college? Was it a teacher? Was it a parent? Was it a, like an experience? I'll tell you my, my origin story when it comes to money is I was an only child and I often heard my parents arguing about money 
And mm. we inherit our money stories from our parents. There are examples of where we learn how to deal with money, how you're supposed to react about money, because they don't teach financial literacy in schools. You don't take a money class before you graduate at any of those 18 years before you graduate. Maybe your parents teach you how to count coins. Maybe, you know, like my elementary school, they taught you how to write checks, but who writes checks anymore? Right. It's all online. You don't even know how to reconcile a bank account if you don't keep a checkbook, right? So they don't teach you this. So it's about supplementing your learning. And so for me, that origin story was hearing my parents argue about money and never wanting to argue about money. So filling out my college application, yeah, I'll major in finance, added the accounting major second after I got into it. And, you know, I really started learning by doing for myself. I love that. I think um, there's a lot, there's a a lot of research about generational wealth, right? And and create and then also the opposite of like a legacy that you create with with money. And um, we carry a lot of that baggage of how our parents raised us, how their parents raised them. And I also think it's generational, right? Parents that are baby boomers treat money very different than parents who are Gen Xers and Gen Zers now. Like how we approach money, it's it's fascinating to me. And I'm sure you can speak much more adequately about that than I can. But tell me what is, uh, we all know what a CPA is, certified public accountant. That's right. I got that one right. But tell me what a CMMMP or certified mastermind magic practitioner is. Sure. So mind magic is a body of work from someone you and I both know and love, Tracy Litt. She is a spiritual advisor, and uh, I essentially met her in the capacity of success mentor, life coach, and Mind Magic is her body of work that really teaches you to, it's rooted in neuroplasticity and neuroscience, and teaches you to become the independent, objective observer of yourself, and to free yourself from stress, break up with your inner mean girl, Really look at your narratives and your truths and your beliefs that you've been living and really assess whether they're serving you and whether they get to go with you to your next level and that next chapter of whatever it is you want to do. And so you also learn to shift your relationship with fear and really tackling your question of worthiness and what you'll settle for and boundaries and all that good stuff. So mind magic is learning to think the thoughts you need to think to believe what you need to believe to do the thing. Love it. We had Tracy on the podcast a while back. So I'm going to link to her um, episode episode as well. So this would be a great, because we have a few bra members that are under, uh, under tutelage under are also CMMMPs. Um, And what's great, the three that I've met, you all apply it different ways. Like you're applying it to your um, financial coaching and everything. I have one that applies it to her spiritual guidance and tarot business. So it's really cool how this kind of curriculum can really be for anybody, the accessibility, because it's like you said, opening up your mind to the idea of abundance and saying goodbye to that, that mean girl behind you. Um, I love that. And then how do you incorporate that into being a CPA and a CEO? How does it all kind of like weave in together? Yeah, well, that's that's what we do. We weave because 
being a CPA for 20 years, I have very practical financial industry experience. You know, I worked at the big four accounting firms at PricewaterhouseCoopers. I'm now working in private industry in my day job at a private equity firm based here in LA. Um, and really, I can do the outside analytical neck upper stuff in my sleep, but that's the mm. stuff on autopilot that really mind magic and that inner work seeks to adjust and correct so that you're not on autopilot and you're making conscious, intentional decisions every day. And so part of what I weave is that the outer work, correcting your finances, getting your financial snapshot and your house in order you can do it once, but is that sustainable? Can you maintain that without doing the inner work? So the inner work is what makes the outer work successful and possible because you need to believe in yourself that you're good with money so that you will be brave when you need to open up an Excel file and you know go deal with your finances or check your bank balance or pay your bills. So it's about that inner stuff that makes you confident believe in yourself that you can do this. And then my outer work is, is much like uh, working with a CPA. So what's the accounting behind it? What are your assets, your liabilities, your income, your expenses? Let's get you budgeting, investing, planning for retirement, those practical things, but reliant on the inner work. And that's the weaving. And then the emotional intelligence comes in because I believe that when it comes to managing your money and doing your finances, it's maybe 10% actually doing that. The other 90% is managing your emotions around money. So that money story that you inherited generationally, that money story you've acquired over your life, because maybe you have workplace trauma, you've been fired, you've been unhoused. And so you've had to be creative with how you live. It's, it's really exciting stuff. And everyone comes from a different place and starts at a different place. Mm -hmm. And how do you work? So you work specifically with entrepreneurs, particularly female entrepreneurs. Um, what do you think is like when someone first gets brave enough? Because I, I know it's hard for entrepreneurs. I've seen them all in the broad network. And this part of the reason why we're having the summit. Why do you think we're a little bit hesitant of making that first call, making that first like, okay, I'll book Diana, but I don't want to see it. <laughs> like, what do you think blocks is blocking women from just looking at money because men have no problem doing. They have no problem asking how much they're worth. That the price is the price. This is what it is. This is my money. This is how I'm spending it. But we are kind of like with like blinders on about it. How do you like get them like to see it, make yeah. them feel comfortable? I think for me, I believe in what I see with a majority of my clients is the reason they don't take that leap. A lot of people would say, well, it's fear of failure, right? I'm, I'm afraid that if I do it, it's not going to work. And then what are people going to think of me? But actually, I would take it a step further and say, sometimes it's also the fear of success. Because mm -hmm. what does it mean if I'm successful? What do I think of rich people? Am I going to become one of those rich people? What does it mean? What do I have to give up? to to be able to level up and and what if i am successful then who am i and it really gets to this this root of fear i think as to why people don't take the step and so fear can manifest in a lot of ways like resistance you know you can procrastinate you can avoid you can just not know and so you don't take the step and that resistance holds us back absolutely and we sometimes aren't ready to see it right even if it's positive, like success. We're just like, no, you know, we kind of get in our own way. Sometimes I've noticed. Um, now how, when you're working with 
I think also there's the literacy element of it, right? The lack of education. Um, when people come in to meet with you and they book their call, they're like, okay, I'm ready. What's like the f- step one to get people like ready and comfortable to feel more financially <laughs> literate? <laughs> yep. So I think step one is, do you need a popsicle right now while you talk to me? Are you afraid? <laughs> do you need a sucker? Just right. like taking them to the doctor's office, like it's safe. For me, I'm what I call a trauma-informed financial literacy coach, which means it's coming from a place of creating a safe space because a lot of people have a lot of trauma, a lot of baggage that they're walking in with. And so just getting up the bravery to book the appointment is sometimes all that they can muster. And then showing up, you know, I've had people bail on me. I've had people not show up for themselves. And so really when you are sick of your own shit, you will make the decision and you need to be in this because I'm not going to drag you along by the hand after if you are unwilling to do this. I work with the willing. And so you need to show up for yourself and then I'm here for you. Love it. Love it. What makes a female entrepreneur powerful in her finance? Once she's got her female literacy, what's going to bring her more power? Oh, standing in it, obviously. When you get comfortable with your own financial literacy, when you know your own financial dashboard, you are the CEO of the future. Eh? 100%. And uh, you know your dashboard when you are informed about what your company is doing, what its intentions are, what its mission is, what its purpose is, who your clients are. You are so aligned and you know, like, you know, like, you know, and you begin to trust your decisions more. So a female standing in that power of using that financial knowledge for her power is like the hottest thing I've ever seen. That is what's going to make you successful is knowing, making decisions from an aligned place and then keeping with it. Like we are in some crazy times financially too, in the market. So even the investing decisions you make, you got to bear some of the short-term ebbs and flows and craziness and not let it affect your inner environment. You need to have your own island of peace and calm inside because you know, all that other stuff is going on. That's not going to get to you. That doesn't affect you. You made your decision. Love that. Love that. And see, you hear the siren that's saying like, get it, get Light the fires, light the fires. Um, so, okay. So now I've worked with you. I see I've got some money and now I need to know what to do with it. Like I'm scared of investing. I don't think I'm worthy. You mean millions of dollars of investing. How do you kind of dispel that disbelief? But also maybe they think I got to pay down debt before I can invest. You know, what, what do you think comes first? The debt or the invest or chicken or the egg? Like what would, what's the next level now that I got my shit together? I got my finances. I got some cash, but I have some debt. What do I do? Yeah, that's a great question. And that's when I bounce the ball back to you. And I say, what do you want to do? When I talk to my 85 year old self and I'm like, what am I supposed to do with my life? She just laughs at me and she's (laughs) like, there is no supposed to, what do you want to do? And so Mm -hmm. when I speak to my clients, it's about your short-term and long-term goals. If you don't know where you're going and where you want to be, then any road is going to get you there. You need to know where you want to go. And then that determines what you do. So for example, if you tell me, you know, I want to pay for my kids' colleges, I want some investment properties, investing in properties, I will tell you, it is both debt and investment. You put money down and you take on debt usually because you don't have cash flat out. So chicken or the egg, both. Yeah. 
Chicken sausage and eggs for breakfast. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> if you're not a vegetarian or a vegan, right? Right. So you, you sometimes, it's okay to have both. It's okay to have debt and have a nest egg that you're investing. And in fact, currently, when I think about the upcoming recession, one of the key things that I'm telling people is make sure you have a plan B emergency fund. You just want a cush fund that's like a couple of months expenses because you don't know what's going to happen. And for people to do that, sometimes they're still carrying massive amounts of debt. And they ask me, should I pay off the debt? You know, it all depends, right? Because it depends what's the interest rate on that debt? Who is it with? Is it with your family and you don't want to have ties with them anymore? Is it a really high interest rate for a credit card? Or is it like a student loan or a mortgage and it's super low, super reasonable, take advantage, like, you know, good debt, bad debt. And let's look at the marketplace and what the opportunities are that you have to invest in. What are the investments that you're excited about? What are you scared of? What lets you sleep at night? Because that's what you should be investing. hundred percent. I love all of this as an <laughs> investor myself. I can say it is very scary, um, but it's also, that's, I look at it as, oh, that's my passive income. So I have the broad network. I have the podcast. I have things I monetize, but when I'm sleeping, my investments are working for me. Um, and some months I get paid more from them than I do from my actual job. So um, it definitely demystifying investing, I think is really, really important because again, like you said, it's not taught in school. Um, I can square dance. Um, but I, and I can put a yearbook together, but I can't, I never learned how to invest or like, I can things. diagram a sentence and I can play yes. square, but I mean, but other than that, we didn't have like investing 101, nothing like that. Um, I think it's also, I'm, I'm sure I'd love for you to speak in your experience. Um, the, the mindset behind investing and debt management, um, is that something you also have to work through with your clients, even though they may feel good about their finances? Now they're like at another like tipping point of like, wait a minute, I can't do that. <laughs> oh, definitely. So I'm going to cover the debt piece first, and then we'll get into the investing. Okay. On the debt side, you'd be surprised, especially how many of us were raised, say, by uh, parents that survived the Great Depression or their parents were right? And everything is constricted. It's not abundant. It's scarce. It's, it's, you need to protect, you need to not spend. So there is a generation or two of us that are afraid to go into debt. But as someone who studied finance in college, I know good ideas get financed. If you want to have a business, if you want to buy a laptop, that costs money. If you don't have the cash for that laptop, then guess what? You need to go into debt for it. And so it's okay to finance things you need to generate cash flows with debt. And in fact, this is something that's coming up in the, the Women of Wealth series. I'm going to be talking about how debt is your ally. When you don't have the cash up front and you think about finance concepts, if you finance either by debt or equity, the cost of capital to be an equity holder, generally you're requiring from the marketplace 12 to 14% return. So when I'm a business and someone has equity in my business, they need 12 to 14% from me. That is a high cost of their capital. Oh yeah. But if I look at debt and the interest on debt, sometimes, you know, MES debt could be six to 12%. That's still less than a credit card. And it's still sometimes less than Equity, the cost of debt capital is cheaper for your business. And that's money that's available for you to grow. So if you can find good debt and have a plan to pay it off, then absolutely don't be afraid of the debt. 
Debt can be your friend. I think where people get caught up is, you know, they don't think about it. They don't have a plan to pay it off. They put it on credit cards with huge amounts of interest rate because it's convenient. Mm -hmm. And that's where they get into trouble, right? For sure. And I mean, and before you talk about the investing side, I can remember being at college and right in front of the bookstore were all those tables with credit card companies. Here's your credit card. Here's your credit card. And the interest rate would be like 28% or something insane. (laughs) It's crazy. Now tell me about the investing side of things. Yeah. And so uh, same with the investing side, I think for people understanding what their short-term and long-term goals are um, really drives what your time horizon is for investing too, because there are some investments that are lifetime investments. You know, if you're one of those people where you buy a home and you get a 30 year mortgage, that's a 30 year investment. Um, Some take longer to monetize than others. Some are relatively quick. So I often start with, with investing for them to be able to sleep at night where do you spend your money as a customer? Are you out every day getting a Starbucks? Do you take your kids to McDonald's for the happy meals? Go buy Starbucks stock, go buy McDonald's stock. Mm -hmm. Now keep in mind, this is not personal financial advice. So I'm going to add the caveat there. Mm -hmm. Um, But really what it's thinking about is don't just spend money at these places and have costs and expenses going out. If you're, if you're spending your revenue dollars with them, you're their target market and you're happy with them, then that stock is probably going to be making money, which means it's probably a valuable stock to have. A hundred percent. And I think one example that I have, I would seek when I was looking for small investment opportunities like we're talking 5,000 to $15,000. I looked for small businesses that had something really niche and really special. And I found one that was a fitness format called Plyo Jam. And I was blown away by this, but I also was a huge fan of going to these classes. So not only am I like, hey, can I invest? (laughs) But I loved going, but being a big fan meant I talked about it to everybody. I'm talking about it now. Like I talked about it to everyone. So the more word of mouth, I think it's the best marketing. It's the best referral. Um, I mean, like uh, there's a comedian who says, you know, millennials can't get a taco unless they've interviewed like eight different people about where's the best taco. Um, But for me, it was just like, oh, I have the best dance workout for you. And then you see the company grow. It's, it's, to me, one of the best things to think about is like, you'll keep spending your money at places you already are invested in because you want them to succeed. And then you'll keep talking about it. You'll write about it. You'll tweet about it. You're on Instagram about it. Like it's its whole ecosystem of promoting, but I specifically like small businesses, you know. And what I love about what you're saying there is I'll tell you my appetite for investing changed when my mother passed away because my my idea of risk changed. So, you know, before investing in the stock market might seem risky, I'm just not seeing the returns that I want to see for that level of risk in the stock market right now. Talk Mm -hmm. about investing in a sports company. Mama put money in Peloton during the COVID pandemic. Bad idea. (laughs) Massive losses. I'm just not getting what I need from the stock market right now. And my idea of risk is different. A more surefire investment for me is actually something I found through becoming an angel investor and investing in other female entrepreneurs because some women need financing for their amazing ideas. And that's one of the ideas, you know, that that 
you know, I'm working on side projects and a documentary about women getting the funding they need because only 2% of female-led ventures are getting funding in the venture capital world. And so to me, a safer bet is a woman with a great idea that is driven, persistent, and knows she can change the world. Yeah. That to me is a less risky investment. And so that's where I deploy my capital now. Same. And I think it's because they're disruptors and PN large capital VC firms are scared of them because they know the power that they possess. And so they're like, no, 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 you only get 2%. And I'm gonna keep you right here so I can watch you and never want you to like go huge. Um, meanwhile, we're changing that, which I like uh, very, very much. So um, I love all of this. So let me ask your advice. Let's give me two or three tips to someone who's starting out uh, as an entrepreneur. What was, what's something like a non-negotiable when it comes to working their books and their finances that you would say as a starting budding entrepreneur? Yep. I think any CEO would have a CFO in a perfect world if they had a big company. And so in the absence of having your own CFO, if it's a one person shop, you need to be having money dates with yourself. You need to be setting meetings with your CFO, which is also you, which means sitting down, taking time, looking at your financial records, looking at your dashboard, looking at what your income, what your expenses are, know where you are. You need to know your current financial snapshot because that dashboard is what allows you to fly your plane. If you are out of gas, you're not going to get from here to there. Yeah. And then they get burnout, right? Frustration, burnout. Um, there's also, a, a, just so everyone knows who's listening to this, there's so many grants out there for female entrepreneurs. It's just spending the time to write them and pitch them and to be persistent. But there are so many available out there. Um, I have a link that I'll put in the show notes um, to uh, one woman who has an entire list, just grants. Um because sometimes, you know, free money is awesome money too. <laughs> exactly. And the other thing I would tack on to that is another thing a female entrepreneur does when she gets started is she surrounds herself by people with complementary skills. She knows she can't take it on all by herself or she will get burnt out. So she hires someone to do her website for her. She hires someone to help her with branding and marketing, to help with social media, whatever it is that isn't in your wheelhouse of the service you provide, the good you create, whatever that is, you ask for help. That's what you do. You put your hand up and you ask for help. 100%. And if you're in the broad network, you look within the network first. That's right. Nice. That was my little plug. <laughs> I love that. Um, that's really, really a lot of what you've great, great knowledge you've given us and everything. And I know that we're all a little recession, like scared. Um, and you're right. I think it's good to have a little, you know, three months saved and everything, but there's a part of me that feels like we've already been going through it with the pandemic. And so we're, we're well rehearsed. And if you were around in 2007, everybody, that was really shitty too. <laughs> but yeah. uh, I mean, any advice other than the next neck should be, we be really scared. I just feel like we, we could be in a health, you know, recession. Um, we could be in a mindset recession. Like there's other ways to look at it, but I don't know. I mean, what, what are your, what's your feeling about the recession? So one of my favorite sayings is every weather is good weather when you're in love. It can be raining outside. And if you can go out and dance in the rain, you're going to be fine. So what is the equivalent of that for weathering, you know, a recession that we had when COVID hit, followed by 
inflation actually yeah. these last few months. Oh, and now whiplash, we're back into recession again. It's really learning that the weather outside doesn't affect your inner environment. And so it's about learning to calm your nervous system coming from a place of safety because we're all like, we want to be scared. They're saying recession, ah! but it's not that scary. And when you're prepared for it, you can then be comfortable that, oh, hey, it's not that scary. Some of that is getting some clarity around how does this actually impact me? Do I have a job right now? Am I okay? Is this okay? Yeah. And creating that safety. A lot of people just breathe. I set breathing alarms on my phone. I know it's silly because we all breathe in the background, but to remember to breathe. And in that moment, when an alarm goes off, it just gives me the awareness. What am I doing in this moment? Am I freaking out over something that doesn't have any meaning at all just and it brings me back to my body and it allows me to calm my nervous system because that's what fear mongers want is they want you to act out of a place of fear that's what they want for american consumers is to spend their money because they're afraid absolutely mm -hmm. and i think as women we like to see our money oh here it is in the, a gucci bag here it is on my you know private schools here here's the money in front of me so when it's in the bank and we don't see it, we're kind of like, well, I don't have any. <laughs> like, um, it's very- uh, well, And I'll tell you, beyond helping my clients, I have to do the work myself. I have to sit here and write my beliefs when I freak out like I'm gonna have not enough money for the recession. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna sit there and I'm gonna update my financial plan and I'm gonna tell myself, you know what? I have plenty of time to recover my losses on Peloton. I'm not taking that money out tomorrow. My retirement shrinks by almost 20%. I'm not retiring tomorrow. It's okay. Yeah. <sighs> and then we breathe. Yes. <laughs> now tell me about disrupting. Is it disrupting inertia? I know yes. what inertia means. I like so, that. Sir Isaac I, Newton. <laughs> yeah, tell because me. I'm a geology minor. You know, I studied a lot of it in astronomy and interning at a planetarium, but inertia is what keeps us the same. It's what keeps us on the same path. And so disrupting inertia is overcoming resistance to change. When you think about humans, we are very change averse creatures. And so we are afraid of change and we'll stay in that inertia of just following the same planetary orbit and never get out of it and never try anything new. So when I say disrupt inertia, this is about kind of smacking yourself upside the head and saying, you know what, what else is out there? What am I not seeing? Is there anything off this track? Like just being curious about it and trying something new, making a new choice. So disruptinginertia.com is a website I have with a freebie that's got some educational webinars for you guys to choose from. There's four of them. They're one hour. You can get one for free. You type in your email address and you'll get access immediately. And I invite you to disrupt inertia of your own life and see how much better it can get. Absolutely. We're going to add that also to the show notes. Um, now, before we wrap up and get carried away, tell us where we can find you in all the places and all the, and all the spaces. Great. So you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, my business is fan your flame. So you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at fan your flame LLC. And on LinkedIn, you can find me under Diana Greschuk and fan your flame has a company page there. My Love website it. is www.fan-your-flame.com because part of my investing strategy is I don't need the website without the hyphens. <laughs> <laughs>
Who's got that website? I <laughs> uh, love it. I love it. Um, you know, when I went to get CarrieMurray.com, somebody already has it. It's a realtor in Ohio. I'm sure she's lovely. But to buy it from her was like a couple thousand dollars. And I go, what about the CarrieMurray.com? 20 bucks. Problem solved. <laughs> yes. 20 bucks. <laughs> okay. Now, speaking of the pandemic, speaking of the last two traumatic turmoil years or tenacious, depends on how you look at it. Um, what's something you got carried away about? Were you one of those people that baked or did you buy dogs? Like what's something that gets you really excited that you love and get carried away about? Well, I have three ginger cats, so I might've picked up uh, my first ginger cat cheddar passed away in June of 2020. And oh. I got him a little sister, Hazel, and uh, she's my next ginger cat. And uh, I happened to pick up two from the same litter during COVID, um, Rusty and Ruby. So I guess I get carried away for ginger cats and I get <laughs> lost in online reels about ginger cats. I know. You know what? We, it's a great, actually, like, I have a, a saved folder in my Instagram reels. That's all cats. <laughs> so if I'm feeling <laughs> kind of down, I'm just like, oh, let me look at my cat folder. Yeah, when you're weathering the recession, part of what I also advise is, you know what, create your sanctuary where you feel safe to calm your nervous system. So if it's a folder of cat reels, do your thing, girl, live your best life. It's fun stuff. Uh, <laughs> now, do these ginger cats have an Instagram? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> uh, love it. Now, the opposite side of that coin is what's something that other people get totally obsessively carried away about, but you can't wrap your head around. For example, I am not a fan of romantic comedies. Don't get it. They're predictable. They're, <laughs> but people love them. Well, <laughs> I'm going to tell you unpopular opinion alert, cryptocurrency. Oh, interesting. So many people get excited about cryptocurrency, NFTs, NTFs, all the acronyms. And frankly, I don't invest in what I don't know. And so there, I really come at this from, there is a large disparity and a wealth gap for the 1% and the other 99%. And cryptocurrency isn't the solution to that. It actually exacerbates the problem because the early movers in cryptocurrency are now the ones trying to unload it as it tanks. They're making money and the people buying it now, good luck. Yeah, that's, that's, nobody's ever had that answer, by the way. <laughs> that's a first. Um, love that. Um, and we also are actually, there is a section at uh, Wealthy Women Summit where we're, it's like Crypto 101. This is the perfect example of why we need it. Because <laughs> it's fun and flashy and there's an app. Oh, look, there's- It's there's sexy, a but when you see Netflix documentaries about all the companies that traded it shutting down and your funds being locked up, I sleep pretty well at night not being invested in cryptocurrency and yeah. that for me. Okay. Anything else? Um, people that continue to swim in their disempowering narratives without wanting to get out and change things. Those people are exhausting. Energy vampires. Yep. hundred percent. And it really sucks if they're in your family. <laughs> Very often they are in our family and they are the ones sent to teach us the lessons we need to learn over and over again. They yeah. trigger us and it's about us to learn to be a person that is not available for that. Yeah, because honestly, you're not going to change them. Nope. <laughs> you can only control yourself. So that's what you got to do. 
Yeah. Love that. Thank you so much. So glad you didn't say like Birkenstocks. <laughs> oh, I something. love Birkenstocks. Yeah, they're so comfortable. <laughs> what are you talking about? Those shoes are so comfortable. <laughs> I love that. Well, thank you so much, Diana, for being my guest and getting carried away. Again, I want everybody to go to fan-your-flame.com and check everything out, including disruptinginertia.com. Diana, this has been a wealth of knowledge. We've learned so much from you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It was truly a pleasure to be here. Yay. All right. Bye.